welcome to Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast. I am, of course, your host, Tom, and I am joined by the ever yawning <laughs> Dan, Tom's brother, aka the yawner. That's right. Old yawn stockings. I just had a super like 10 second long yawn right as Tom was doing the intro. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> it's okay. I just took it personally. So I think right off the bat, I'll say yeah, this episode came out a couple days late, but we had a lot of, we had a decision to make. I got this feeling and it was just a gut feeling like, well, wait a second. I've been told from a couple sources that it would, I was actually told it would come out Sunday or Monday. I talked to, I actually messaged Steve Walton and asked him. And he's like, yeah, any day now. And I was like, well, whether it comes out, and then v, you know, video cards started that embargo on Tuesday countdown, which turned into nothing. But now they're saying November 7th or something, right? Right, which I was actually made aware of a day ago. And... What it comes down to is if we know Threadripper announce like a big Threadripper announcement's coming, for instance, in a few days, we're not going to record like we usually do on a Sunday or something. Like we, it would be stupid to like talk about Threadripper a ton two days before we know everything. So I figured if we just waited a little longer, we're not waiting till Thursday because it's too late. But I'm sure we'll get enough information to basically be able to 100% know what they're about to announce within a couple days, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I think I'm I'm very confident now that I know what's coming. Um, and so that's why this came out a couple days late. And, that, and we're always going to do that too. If we think waiting a few days will get you guys better information, whether it's like a Comet Lake launch or something really, really big, you know, we won't do it for minor stuff. I'm not doing it for the 1660 Super or something. <laughs> but when it's a new product line that a lot of people are waiting on bated breath for, it's worth, I think it's worth waiting. It's because we always want to make the best show. And speaking of the best show, make sure you guys review us. And I will say review us on Apple Podcasts. I think I've always been telling you guys to review us on whatever your podcast platform is. But now it's come to my attention why every <laughs> podcast I listen to says to use Apple Podcasts. It's because it's really the only easily readable reviews. Yeah, like I was looking at like massive podcasts that have hundreds of thousands of listeners every week. And on Stitcher, they have like 50 reviews. So Because it's like almost impossible to figure out how to give it a review. Yeah, like you can't even pull up the rating for a podcast in their app. Or if there's a way to do it, uh, tell us because I couldn't find it. Uh. I, I actually like, and it's hard to even read the reviews when I finally found a way to, what, and I forget because I'll check every now and then. And we got, you know, we have very good reviews on Apple and stuff. But I like finally like looked at Stitcher again and there was one new review. Like I can't, review podcasts easily <laughs> make it easier also this podcast is good <laughs> so yeah we do appreciate you people hitchhiking off of the patrons if you are hitchhiking though please do share broken silicon spread the great word of tom and dan uh we are like the uh children of the vault in borderlands 3 spread our good gospel so that we can continue to suck your life force and you know uh Consider supporting us too. I, I want to touch on that as well when it comes to support, which brings us to a reader mail question, which if you support us on Patreon, you can interact with us. Uh, Carbon Cry says, Tom, as we, your Patreons, pay you, you are now technically our shills. Please act accordingly and place boxes with our names on them in the background like Gamers Nexus. 
Uh, I mean, I think this is a good new strategy. Just get an assortment of random boxes and stack them with all of your Patreon supporters' names behind you. Sounds easy, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would get Amazon packages every day. I could probably do it tomorrow. Uh, but it's a joke piece on mail. But I do want to touch on this, that we will be our patrons' shills, but that's the only shills we ever intend to be. Like, I've thought about it more and more. If, like, for instance, if AMD sent me an RX 5500, I'll happily review it, especially if I can keep it for future, you know, benchmarks that I do. But it doesn't matter how much they pay me, unless it's, again, look, if they pay me $100,000, I'm going to take it (laughs) for some (laughs) BS review, but I'll make it obvious if it's BS. Like, I'll be, like, way too positive and make it obvious. But if they if they pay us that, you know, I, I, I'm not really interested in doing, you know, motherboard reviews for a grand or something like that because, honestly, I think the best way to fund this is fans supporting us. I, frankly, I don't think I'd ever be good at doing paid-for reviews. I think I would kill myself before <laughs> I go through that. I'm re- I don't know if you guys have noticed I am overly honest. And it'd be very, very hard for me to just talk on and on about something I don't care about. Um, But I'm also just not interested in that many in, what should we say, content reviews, like ads that pop up outside of whatever YouTube or if if we joined like a us, you know, let's say we become a Stitcher supported podcast or something, you know, like, yeah, they can throw a few ads in there that are 30 seconds, but I, I just don't have that many much interest in tons and tons of ad reads. Although the first one will be in this one, but I put a lot of effort into it. It's pretty funny, I think. So if you are a hitchhiker, hopefully you enjoyed that. And, and I just think fan supporting is the way to go because then I there's just never incentive for us to pull any BS like I see on so many channels or frankly, uh, lose our <laughs> desire to keep making stuff. Like I've seen some channels that have like a hundred thousand subscribers and all the guy gets one of them I was looking at recently is like 5,000 views a video and all of his videos are like motherboard reviews that were clearly paid for. And I'm like, why, (laughs) you know, like, and that's why the fan support is so important. It is, it is. No, I, we don't ask for much, and uh, you do get a lot of content. You get the Discord. You get to ask reader mail questions. And, of course, you get uh, Die Shrink, which is an exclusive podcast. The last one is talking about laptops, form factors. Uh, ITX form factors will be the next one. That comes out this Friday, so, like, right after this episode will go live. Uh, we just finished editing the Flat Earther one, which <laughs> turned out really well. There's another one about online hate in communities. Which- so I don't know if there will be a new one next week. There will be a new one this week right after this. Um, but if there's not a new Broken Silicon one week, I'll put a more meaty die shrink coming out that Thursday or something. So like, if there's not a new Broken Silicon next week, expect like a big one-hour Flat Earther episode or something. Yeah, and if you're looking for the hard-hitting uh, it, analysis into computer hardware, the Flat Earther one is definitely the one you want to go to. <laughs> There's a big crossover between people who talk about conspiracy theories and computer hardware people, though. So, hey, they, hey, they, you get to vote for it too if you support us. And if people really wanted the Dan, the Dan and Tom ranting about conspiracy theories, so we'll see how that goes over. <laughs> hopefully, you will enjoy it. Yeah, which hopefully it wasn't just me trying to summarize experiments they did over and over again. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. I enjoyed it. Let's put it that way. Good. All right. 
Shall we get into the news? Yup. All right, so as expected, the first story, and if you want links, guys, there are going to be a lot of links for this broken silicon. This is all through Ripper 3000. I'm very confident in what I'm talking about here. I put links to basically every specific thing I say. Before Threadripper is announced, you know, I think you guys would be interested to know what it's going to be. And I'll get to the main point soon. But yeah, no, before I start, I'll say this. I think it's becoming abundantly clear. And I'll have more reasons to say this in a few more stories. If you're waiting to upgrade because of price performance of new products, do not wait. I see 3,900Xs in stock on Best Buy right now. I see it's in in stock on Amazon, or it's like a one-week delay on Amazon or two-week delay. Buy now. Buy them now if you need to upgrade this year. I don't see prices going down much, and I really, really don't think, whether it's a graphics card or a processor, what's coming out in the next few months is going to be worth the wait, unless you were going to get it no matter what because you needed that level of performance. Yeah, I mean, and these were mainly geared towards uh, HEDT performance. So, I mean, it's not like, I I feel like if you're just trying to use this for a gaming rig, I I feel like the AM4 CPU is already a better option anyways. I mean, price performance, definitely, but. Well, but the price performance of previous Threadrippers wasn't that bad. So I don't think this was a crazy thing to wait for. I was mulling it over. Like if the entry Threadripper if it had 16 cores for under 900 or 24 cores for, I guess, under 1,200, which we don't know, yeah. it still could. And the motherboards were like 500 bucks and had all the features you'd expect. I was mulling it over just because it's like, you know, I don't upgrade often. I tend to not, I mean, I'm still using a 6700K and there's been ample opportunities for me to get something way better. I actually am a pretty frugal guy And so, you know, if I don't do this often and I don't like to upgrade anymore because it's all about, you know, having something I can flip on quickly to make content, it made sense, in my opinion, to kind of go for some kind of future proofing. But I got to say, at this point, I'm heavily considering, just so everyone knows, I'm heavily considering the 3900X and I'm looking into the 3950X. The reason I'm looking into the 3950X is just because I'm going to get a good sound card. I'm going to get at least one PCIe 4.0 drive and one of the fastest ones because that really does help with what I, you know, use my PC for. And I might get a new liquid cooler. If I'm doing all of this stuff, even just the 3900X, you're looking at over a grand for just this upgrade. Yeah. Even if I keep the same RAM and I plan to. So if if you already had an AM4 platform, I think it makes really only (laughs) makes sense if you care about price performance to go up to a 3900X or frankly, to just get a 3700 or 2600. But if you're going to some new high-end platform, I mean, 250 over like 1500 you're already spending. Isn't that much more? But... um. And do you want to add something to that, Dan? No, it's for the capabilities you need for your computer anyways. For the most part, you a 3950X will get you everything you need. I get the thing with future-proofing, but... Well, 3950X will undoubtedly future-proof. The 3900X will future-proof for the next 10 years. Yeah, I don't think the 3900X is going to even be a slouch in gaming five years from now, so... 
But anyways, let's get into the Threadripper information. I have links to where a lot of this comes from. I also, let's just say I have reasons to be very confident about what I'm talking about right now. Can't say much more than that, but the 3950X is not for gamers. Let's get into that. This is something that will be not worse at gaming than the 3900X, but we already have leaked benches showing its single-threaded performance is exactly the same. This is the 3900X. This and and you saw this in Threadripper reviews before. It doesn't scale across that many apps over 12 cores. I mean, most apps are built right now for about six cores, or I guess threads. So, yeah. So, so you mean do you mean threads or do you mean cores when you're saying that? I mean, if you have full cores instead of threads, it's better. So well, yeah, if yeah. it's built for most things now are built for about eight threads, which means if you have up to an eight core, it'll undoubtedly help. And then a lot of apps are kind of built for 12 or 16. Mm-hmm. But going from a 3900X, which has 24 threads, <laughs> to a 32 thread, there's not that much there to gain, is my understanding. And at essentially the same clocks. Mm-hmm. And also, I get the feeling that 3950X is going to practically be a paper launch. They already delayed it out of nowhere. They still won't really say a launch date. So what I'm thinking on Thursday is if it is actually pre-orderable or something there, I'm going to try to snag it. But if I can't get it and I decide I'm upgrading this year finally, I'm just going to get a 3900X. But it's not something I think most people, if they need to upgrade, should wait for. It will, of course, be better at multi-threaded. It will be the strongest desktop processor that's not HEDT, of course. I mean, it has 32 threads, guys. (laughs) But this won't game better than the 3900X. If you're holding out the 3950X to reward yourself because you're a gamer and you have the extra money, that's fine, but it's not going to game better than the 3900X at all. So that's the first thing to talk about. The next is, and again, links in the description, 3960X Threadripper is entry level. It's 24 cores. 3970X is the next one, 32 cores. I'm still really not sure, actually, despite having more information now, what the 3990X is. So I'll just say that right now. I don't know. I still like the idea of a 48 core, but I don't think it'd be crazy if they just went to 64 cores. Like, I really don't think it would be. And then just charge $3,000 for it. I mean, if you think about it, if you're willing to buy an expensive platform, either they're going to be someone who wants a 24 or 32 core, or they're just going to want as many as they can get. And so you don't really need a 48 core. You just put 64. But also, there might be bandwidth issues with just four-channel memory, which I believe there's no dual socket coming, people. There were rumors of that. I believe AMD was considering it. But at least for the time being, we haven't seen any rumors of TRX-80. I mean, there was the one rumor. And of course, AMD would consider this stuff. Yeah, I mean, and there was the one rumor about that, what, like a month ago, I guess? No, it was probably two months ago now. But that seems to be about it, right? With the Mm -hmm. motherboards and... And and again, I'm sure they considered it, but AMD considers a lot of things. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what's coming out, though, this year. And again... Well, or being announced this year. Is it necessarily coming out this year? I guess I assume it is, yeah. Yeah. But that's what I was about to say. Before you cut me off, Dan, I'm never going to do this show with you again. Before Dan cut me off. (laughs) um, Is that whether they come out this year, I'm making air quotes next to my head. (laughs) This just all feels like a paper launch. I'm going to be honest. I feel like AMD regrets announcing the 3950X. Yeah, I get it. Like, look how they keep delaying it. They keep biting hard to meet epic demand. 
I think they're really sitting here going, why did we <laughs> announce this? We never needed to. Yeah, I mean, and it, I guess if you're saying that that might be a paper launch, like maybe this is, I mean, you're saying this seems like a paper launch, but this is mostly based on leaks so far. So we don't really know what they're going to end up coming out with no. on Thursday. Or, I mean, there's a, we know. I'm very confident in what I'm saying right now. But, you know, I don't know if I said this in any of my videos. I really don't. But it's something I've said to multiple people in the Discord. I don't remember where this rumor came from. But no socket compatibility. Um, <laughs> so again, if you're holding out for Threadripper to put it in an existing socket, nope. If you want to buy a cheap Threadripper Zen Plus or Zen 1 and put it in the new one and then wait for a Zen 3 Threadripper or something, nope. And you know, I think they're just going to keep selling Zen Plus. But I've said that in a dozen videos too. And that's what's so stupid. And honestly, a lot of this confidence comes from my analysis of Cascade Lake X, which I don't know if you saw that last video, Dan. Uh, well, did you? Just so I know if I need to like reiterate anything. Um, I don't think I did see that video. Or what was it the long one about Cascade Lake? It was yesterday, yeah. No, I haven't seen that one yet. Okay. <laughs> did you watch a video I made yesterday? <laughs> no, I um, <laughs> Okay. So I really go through, there was a leak of how much they, uh, which we talked about it though. There was a leak of what they sell Cascade Lake X for to OEMs and still make big fat profits. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, that they plan to sell 35 million Cascade Lake X parts, <laughs> Intel does. And like the amount of revenue they make, even selling them for under 500 bucks. And then realizing that Intel still plans to sell that many and they're selling something inferior to Zen Plus. Like, I just started sitting there and going, dude, as much as I wanted AMD to really be aggressive here. They don't have to be. Yeah. Like, there's nothing Intel can do. But Intel did delay Cascade Lake X release to the 25th. After Threadripper's full announcements and launch. Why would they do that? Because they're waiting to see if they need to drop prices before it even comes out. And I don't think AMD is going to want to trigger a price war here. They're probably feeling like they're in a comfortable position where they can launch this at a relatively non-competitive price. I mean... Again, probably. We still don't yeah. know the final price. But I'm just telling you guys, I don't have a good feeling about it. I feel <laughs> like there's a general um, trend for people to be let down by AMD's prices, even when they're reasonable. AMD's not going to price anything that isn't good price performance. They're selling the 3950X for 750. That is cheaper using half the energy as a Cascade Lake X HEDT on a cheaper platform. Or I guess equally priced platform. Imagine if, what, three years ago you had heard that there was going to be a 16 core 32. Forget <laughs> the past. I'm saying relative to Intel now, they're still selling things with better price performance. And that's why I, I got actually annoyed. Was I disappointed that the 3900X was $500 instead of $400, I guess. But I got mad that people said it was too expensive because by definition, it's only as expensive as it needs to be relative to Intel. Well, and if you're saying, are you disappointed if you just say a lower price? I mean, it's always going to be a, yeah, I guess I'm disappointed it wasn't that. But is that yeah. reasonable? <laughs> yeah, so I just don't see it. Like, like Threadripper is the new Titan, right? Of, of processors is what it yeah. comes down to. And they need to keep making, they're going to keep making Zen Plus because it's cheaper to make a monolithic die than it is to, once you get to the $100 price point, those monolithic 
2700s and 2600s cost them like 50 bucks to make. Whereas I believe the price floor of a Zen 2 AM4 chip is about 120 or something or one, well, not 120, but like, you know, 90, 100. There's very little room for profit by them. But yeah, essentially, Intel has more room to launch lower performance CPUs at a lower price. But not if AMD is pumping out 12 nanometer FinFET things that they've been selling for years. Yeah. They can afford to keep making 2700s that are 120 soon. Probably 2600s will slowly move down to 90 bucks and replace the 1600s. They'll just stop making those. And then they'll just take the best yields and keep making Zen Plus Threadrippers, which are selling well still. Let me pull this up. The price on Newegg of a 24 core right now is already 1000 If you think about it, what incentive does AMD have to sell their new 24 core for 1000 If they're selling this one for 1000 and it sells well, and the 3990, or 2990WX, the 32 core that's 12 nanometer FinFET, that one has never gotten a price drop. And people say AMD is greedy. It's because they can't keep it in stock. <laughs> <laughs> Basic supply and demand. <laughs> so I guess I, we've been talking about this a lot. But I, again, let me reiterate. Threadripper is coming, going to be announced uh, November 7th. I don't get a feeling this is going to be a hard launch with tons of product. It might be. Again, I don't know for sure there, but I just get the feeling they're going to paper launch as many things as they can over this holiday season because they have no reason to give you much more than what's out now. And if they're already selling the 24 core, that's 12 nanometer plus on a for 12 nanometer FinFET for a thousand. I, I mean, I think the 3960X is going to be more than and possibly decently more. I think the yeah. 3970X is going to be more. Right. So what I believe the 2990 WX32 core, I think that's like 17, 1800. Uh, so I, 1800. Yeah. So I think the 3970X is going to be more than that. And, um, and I guess just uh, this episode, the subtitle is Curb AMD Enthusiasm. <laughs> I mean, look, these are going to be great products, but I don't see Threadripper being some gaming master. I don't see it being cheaper than before. They have no reason to do that. I just see it utterly dominating high-performance computing. And if you want a bunch of cores for cheap, you know what? Zen Plus Threadripper is there for you. And if you want something cheaper than that, just a little cheaper than the overall platform, AM4 is very reasonably priced. Don't stop waiting. Just upgrade now. And the best AMD gaming chip is really like the 3800X. <laughs> so, <laughs> eight core. So just get those things. Because I think things are going to sell out quick, by the way. Yeah, and if you're feeling frisky, get a 3900X. <laughs> right, and that'll last you... It's 24 threads, guys. The next-gen consoles have eight cores. This will have 12. You have a backup quad core. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. You have a backup 7700K. <laughs> I mean, you really yeah. can't go wrong with that when you think about it. So AMD's in charge now. That's what I expect from the announcement. I still hope, there's still a part of me that hopes they'll be super aggressive, to be honest, and they'll like drop the 12 nanometer, you know, thread rippers down by 30%, make them around the same price as Zen 2, and then they'll take these other thread rippers. And I really hope they will. They could, you know, but I just don't think they will. That's my opinion. And even if you're thinking the reason of like the drop the mic moment, that would still be what, in your opinion, like a thousand dollars though, right? Yes. <laughs> and a thousand dollars would be crazy still. So not completely unprecedented. Yeah. They did that yeah. before. Again, it'd be double the cords of the 3900X. And 
Uh, that's what they did with the 1800X and the first gen Threadripper. But I just don't yeah. think there's literally any incentive for them to do. Before they had the purchasing agreement with Global Foundries that was much more aggressive than it is now. So they were incentivized to get rid of as many of those chiplets as they can. Now they're not. <laughs> <laughs> now everyone wants their stuff too. So until they're completely comfortable catching up with demand, I think they're going to charge as much as they can. And here's the last thing I'll say too. AMD's earnings they hit earnings basically exactly. They were a little off on some things, a little more on some things. Think about that, though. They need their stock price, though I think it's a fair stock price right now. It's like 37 Again, this is not financial advice. Quick, let me just say that. Well, what happened with AMD's stock price when they announced their earnings call? It's okay. like 10% higher. It went down a little bit first, and then it went back up, and it's starting to climb again. But I think what you got to remember is people were kind of expecting a blowout. I mean, they have record sales. So what do you think they're going to do then? They need a blowout quarter for, I think. I think they need a blowout on one more blowout quarter before people stop doubting them. So how are they going to get a blowout quarter? Charge a lot more for Threadripper, right? So that's yeah. the final nail in the coffin, in my opinion here. All right. Have we summarized enough there? I think everyone gets the gist of what we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't think TRX40, which I guess due to leaks, we know that is actually what they're going to call it. It's not X599 or 499 or anything. It's called TRX40. I don't think that's going to be cheap. I did a video saying it's not that expensive to manufacture and I have it on good authority. It is not that expensive to make or not as much as they'll make it out to be. But no, I think that's where they're going to make a lot of their profits too is on well. that chipset. Oh, yeah, and this is a HEDT, so it's not like they're going to be making $100 motherboards anyways for this. <laughs> no, but I was I thought the entry could be about $400, and I'm, okay. I don't think it's going to be $600, but it, I don't know. It could be now. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, no, nah, they're, they're going all out here. They want a record. And again, think about it. Like Leaked benchmarks have shown their new 32-core 50 to 70% stronger than the last one, and that one already is blowing Intel away. I mean, this is going to be the biggest raffle stomping in HEDT history. Yeah, so they don't really need to be super competitive with pricing. <laughs> no, they don't. They just don't. And I'm always an optimist, so a lot of my older videos said, don't, ex don't be so sure it'll be expensive, but I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, guys. Hopefully, we'll see how that lines up. The announcement should come, I think, less than 24 hours after this video or, well, this podcast goes live. Uh, but that is, I'm very confident. I'll just say that. And that's my advice now. And I really think processors will be selling out, by the way, after the Threadripper announcement. Now, now that I think about it, because I think there's a lot of people waiting for the final scoop on 3950X <laughs> and Threadripper before they upgrade. And the second they see pri high pricing or that maybe it's not geared towards gaming, which, of course, it isn't. I mean, everyone's probably just going to flood and buy a bunch of 3,900Xs. It's honestly my prediction. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Story number two. There actually will be more than one story this episode. <laughs> Ryzen will not 4... be that long. <laughs> no. Ryzen 4000 APUs spotted and launched in early 2020. So what do you think about that? Did you read up on this one? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess uh, reading about it, what are your like big takeaways from this? Because this seems... It's interesting they confirmed it. Yeah, that's true. This seems like a pretty general... And it's called Ryzen 4000. Oh. And it's on 7 nanometer. And from other leaks, we know that it has 8 cores. So they're making 8 core APUs with 12 compute units. And I, I think so I think that's 768 
stream processors, which should be good for... Entry level. Well, now you get DDR4 up to 4,000 megahertz, and, it, I, and I do expect RAM prices to continue to go down next year. That's why I'm not going to upgrade RAM if I upgrade this year yet. But once you get to 4,000 effective on DDR4, that's entry level. That's like low GDR5, yeah. And at that point, 768 stream processors, that'll work. That'll work. You know, and you're looking at almost, well, not 570, but I'd say you're looking at it now instead of a 550, you're looking at 560 performance. Um, yeah, I'd say not quite a 470, though. Like about, probably about 560 performance in an APU. That, and you know, they'll probably disable them and have six cores with that kind of a graphics card for, mm -hmm. this is mostly meant for laptops, probably. But they'll bring it to desktop, I'm sure. And, you know... I mean, yeah, in general, I've always thought, I've always liked the design philosophy of APUs. Like when I first learned about them, I thought they were really cool and they continue to be pretty cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and, and by the way, this should finally get them some big design wins in laptops. If you look at the Surface that's using 12 nanometer, um, and I think that, you know, and, and that is something with four cores. This is perfect. They can make these like a 45 watt, eight core APU that games as well as a launch PS4. Dude, that's going to be maybe 25, probably probably 25 watts, actually. Uh, well, yeah, I, I was going to ask, was there anything to, to this about the power usage? Because if they can hit 25 watts in that, I think this could kill laptop space. <laughs> yeah, I think 25 watts configurable up to 45, configurable down to 15. And then there will be disabled ones that have six cores and like, you know, nine. I think I saw a leak today, too, that there was one with nine compute units coming. Um, mm -hmm. you know, something, remember this is Vegas, so they can disable an odd number of compute units for people. Um, you know, and I think, yeah, that'll be good enough to get even more wins, you know, and, and I, I don't think we're getting RDNA Zen 3 APUs till early, early 20, early 2021. Yeah. It seems cool. And hopefully this makes them more competitive in the laptop space, which is the one space I think they're still going to have issues they're getting into. They're still a bit worse. I'd say they're still 10%, 20% worse than Intel. Not all of them. I mean, I think their cheaper chips are better than a lot of Intel's cheaper ones, but in the high end, I mean, Ice Lake is actually pretty impressive in my opinion. Yeah. and In uh, the right yeah. SKUs, some of them actually aren't nearly as good <laughs> as some people make out. I think those Ice Lake I-5s kind of look like junk. But, you know, the, the best yields, you know, the five they can make a month are really, really good. And you're going to be really happy if you have them in your computer. <laughs> Actually, let me say that quickly. I saw someone emailed me a Microsoft Surface comparison. They were comparing the Ice Lake I-7. And I've seen a lot of reviewers doing this when I checked. The Ice Lake I-7 to the 3550U, which is the slightly downclocked, slightly disabled graphics custom one they're selling Microsoft. And they're like, it's like 20% worse. And I'm like, yeah, that's the i7. This is the R5. Why are you not <laughs> comparing? And then I found out right now you can only get Ice Lake i7 laptops for the Surface if you're a business. It's only in the business model. Oh. How much bullshit is that, that comparison? Um, you can't even get that i7. <laughs> and they're comparing it to the R5? I don't remember which review it was. You guys can look it up. But I thought I saw it in multiple places, and I'm like, yeah, we know what's going on there. <laughs> All right, number three. I just titled this 5700 XT1. NVIDIA is dropping the 2070 again, 
probably, it, I think, right? I think probably just to replace the 2060 Super. It lost. Like, there's no reason they wouldn't start reselling the 2070 unless they were going to slot it down to 400 and just realize no one wants the 2060 Super. How did their uh, compare their uh, performances compare? Like, 2070 was a little bit stronger, right? No. No? Okay. <laughs> okay. The 5700 XT is like 5% behind the 2070 Super, which is about 10% behind a 2080. Okay. I mean, it's just the... the I, I thought the whole... What a joke. I, I thought the branding they've that nvidia has had i guess it's technically one generation has been some of the most i I don't know if it's intentionally confusing but some of the most confusing branding i've ever seen where it's just like they're launching all slotting all of these cards within like a couple percentages of each other and calling them basically the same names yeah yeah and then they're still selling some they're still not selling some i mean it's like why why did AMD start outselling them before they even had Navi come out? And why is Navi selling twice as well as the previous generation? Because their lineup is a joke. NVIDIA's lineup was a joke from the start. Yeah, and maybe part of that even is that it's just not hard to look at what the fuck you're, what you're buying if you're looking at AMD's and lineup. people are getting more informed. AMD is regarded as a market leader now, too. Again, this is what it's all about. When Zen 2, when the rumors of Zen 2, honestly, after Zen Plus, everyone was like, what is Intel even doing? And they (laughs) saw AMD as this big, awesome, interesting company. And as such, they started taking their graphics cards more seriously. And AMD has been doing things correctly with their graphics cards. But this is something we were, you know, I was talking to uh, Brock, who's me and Dan's friend the other day. He's like, yeah, you were definitely right, Tom, about... um, the mindshare really helping Radeon. But I mean, it is the price performance too. It, it's better than ever. And I was, and, and for people who don't know, Brock built his first PC in 2016. <laughs> and I said, no, it's <laughs> not. It's not even close to better than ever. The 4870, the 5870, the 6970, the 6... The, uh, the 7970, <laughs> dude. They had cards with double the price performance for years. And now it's just like 30%, 40% better, 50%. You know, depending yeah, on the model. Yeah, now it's maybe starting to get back to what we were like back then. But yeah, <laughs> and so why do you that the AMD has had better price performance before, and it's just like what's going on right now is Mindshare and Nvidia's acting stupid. Obviously, the price performance helps, but I, I guess one thing I want to touch on about this is just well, I guess I'll say this, and I've said it before in other videos and stuff. Anyone doubting that idiots will still just... I I never want to see another comment of someone, and I still see it, whatever, idiots will just buy NVIDIA anyways. They're not, though. (laughs) AMD's outselling them, guys, out of nowhere. They're not. People are not just the idiots will buy NVIDIA. They're not. It's working. AMD is starting to win now. And the other thing I will say is, and this is, I remember one of my videos, I was like, at the end of it, I was like, advice to every company. And the thing, advice I gave to NVIDIA, they should have take, taken. I mean, what they've done is have made the most, like you said, Dan, the most muddled lineup I've ever seen in my life with, you know, all of these cards are within 5% of each other. In fact, if you think about it, from the 2060 Super to the 2080 Ti, from 
$400 to $1,200, there's like a 40% performance difference between one, two, three, four, five, six cards. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. Like I remember reading the specs on the initial launches of the 60, I mean, of, not the 60, of the super variants. And I was seeing like a 5% difference in like stuff that was still in their own, that same lineup of cards. Like I know the 2060 super, the 2070 are technically like different lineups of cards, but they're branding them as the same generation, which is idiotic in my opinion, but. Yeah, and actually let's go to number four then. 1660 Super and soon 1650 Super launched. Speaking of the exact same performance, the 1660 Super is literally just a 1660 Ti for 50 bucks less. It's honestly insulting, in my opinion. If I'm remembering correctly, that was the card that it's essentially like has slightly fewer cores than the 1660 Ti, but has... It's it's literally a 1660 with GDR6 instead of GDR5. And the GDR6... It's a little faster. And the GDR6 is faster GDR6 than in the 1660 Ti. (laughs) I mean, I'm just... Every time I see a new supercard launch slash announce, I'm just confused as to what NVIDIA is trying to do. Unless, like, they're just... Maybe they can get these this faster RAM for cheaper now. So I'm pretty sure that's what it is. What? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Okay. So they're just rebranding it the super of their of a weaker card and it replaces the It's just so insulting. Just drop the price. Just be willing to drop the prices. Well, they are dropping the price with extra steps. Yeah. And confusing <laughs> everyone. And this is something I wanted to say before, but I want to go to the story quick is I don't know why NVIDIA did not just make a new lineup. It was almost a year after the 2000 series launched. What they should have done instead of launching all these supers, and this would have, in my opinion, crushed AMD. Two weeks before, I don't know, right? Timing, somewhere around there. Right before Navi launches, right before, what they should have done is cut prices aggressively. And I mean aggressively. $300 2060, $400 2070. Um, well, it would have been less. No, like 380 2070, <laughs> 300 2060, like a $500 2080. Well, and then a sick like a I guess a $900 2080 Ti. And then they would have announced they're going to launch the new lineup within a few months. And so what they would have done is end of life all of their old configurations, drop the prices right before Navi comes out. And then what do you do? Be ultra aggressive with what's coming out. And they should have launched a 20, a 3080 Ti super by now. Like, and, and then in like September or October, you know, two months or something after Navi comes out, you launch and everyone would have been waiting for the 3000 series instead of buying Navi, by the way. They should have launched the 3080 Ti not the 2080 Ti Super, the 3080 Ti <laughs> with a full 12 gigabytes, 20, you know, 20% faster memory and a non-cut down chip. That would have been like 25% stronger than the 2080 Ti. Just make it 1,000 now. And then they should have gone to 700 with the 3080. Faster RAM, the full die, again, 20% stronger or like 15% than before. And then they, And if they would have done it in that order, it would have looked less weird, less stingy, yeah, and, and and people go well. They kind of would have screwed over their original fans. I mean, they already did. I 
<laughs> they already and did. And screw over in what way? Like these cards are the 2070, the 2080 Ti. They're not like new, new cards. No, exactly. <laughs> too, they would have been out for a year. Like you could have waited until Which they've been out for it, a year and then dropped the new series. That's par for the course. And I don't get what Nvidia was thinking. I honestly, I think they underestimated Navi's performance. I think they thought AMD was like, you know, it's 10% stronger than the 2070. And they were saying, eh, it probably won't beat it. And then it did. And they're like, oh, crap, it is that much stronger. Yeah, and it's not like we haven't seen this before. Like, not complete rebadges, but kind of rebadges from these companies before and just calling it a new line. Like, that was essentially a a lot of what the 200 and 300 series was with AMD. And the, what, 700, that was a lot of the 700 series. Yeah, like like the 380X was a fully enabled 285. Yeah, exactly. And, and enough RAM, yeah. So it's not like we we haven't seen something like that before. And I feel like the way they're launching these cards really just muddles everything, makes it super confusing. Then when you throw in the addition of the like 1600 series further confuses it. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Dr. Forbin writes in, just like you can if you support us on Patreon, and he says, interesting that NVIDIA wants to try to compete in the entry level of the market with the GTX Super Refreshes. AMD must be laughing right now, though. Honestly, they don't have an answer for the best high mid-tier card, the 5700 XT. I would agree, Dr. Forbin. My question is, will the 5800, 5900, whatever they call it, Big Navi, be that much better than a 2080 Ti, 2080 Ti Super at 700 or will it be more expensive? Secondly, will AMD go after the Titan RTX? So, and this is again, this episode's called Curb AMD Enthusiasm. Which one thing that makes me a little sad is the mid-tier card is now $400, but (laughs) I'm over it. I'm over it. <laughs> I'm over. Yeah, I know. I, I I feel like every time I see that mentioned, I need to highlight that we're calling that mid-tier now. But I mean, it is. So again, it's like the 7870. That was kind of mid-range, but it was a bit stronger than people expected. Call it whatever you want, but that's what it is. It's a 250 millimeter squared card. They're selling for 400. <laughs> so, but anyways, though, those whispers of Navi videos I did, and I've talked about this in the Discord, in the boardroom recently. Um, That information is something I received from a source I trust, and it lined up pretty well with the early stuff Adored had at the end of 2018. But at this point, a lot of stuff has changed, and I've been told that you really got to stop hoping for Big Navi. I'll just tell you guys. Okay. And this is my most trust. This is one of the sources I trust the most. It's a different one than before, but he goes, stop hoping. Stop hoping for a 2080 Ti killer. And I want to be clear, someone in AMD said a 2080 Ti killer is coming. So that's what the guy said. So I don't know if something changed or what. Eventually, they're going to kill the 2080 Ti. And if you listen to the Broken Silicon with me and Paul, Paul kind of convinced me, you know, not an Apple fan, that it might, RDNA 2.0 might actually come out after the PlayStation 5 comes out. I mean, Vega came out after the PS4 Pro. Yeah, there's a good chance that the PS5 might be something like a RDNA 1.0 or 1.5. Yeah, just like the PS4 Pro was like a Polaris Vega hybrid. Yeah, exactly. So it might be a RDNA 1.0 with some 2.0 features. Like custom ray tracing, and I'm sure there's some other stuff in there too. 
So I've said that for a while, but I also thought it just makes so much sense to just release something stronger than what they have now that's on RDNA 1.0 as soon as possible. Like again, all they would have to do is go up to like even just, even just like 52 or like, yeah, like let's add, or even just like 56 compute units, let's say, right? Increasing the compute units by 40%. They could even keep it 256 bit and use like 20% faster GDR6. Like, or 30%, I guess you can even go up to now. You know, <laughs> why that would make a card that would bury the 2080 Super and it would have eight gigabytes. It would be a die size around uh, Radeon 7. So they could probably sell that sucker for 600 bucks with a nice fat profit. And then if they wanted to make a liquid-cooled 16-gigabyte version, they sell for 800 That ties a 20 It's an option. Yeah. And yeah. I still think that's... <laughs> frankly, I still think that's what they're doing. But do not expect it to crush the 2080 Ti, I guess, is what I'm told. And do not... Ex- and it's not coming out this year. I think that's what everyone keeps, keeps spamming me in the comments. It is not coming out this year. Do not expect it. Well, I mean, you can still hope for a paper launch in December, I think. But guys... And again, Curb... AMD enthusiasm. Stop waiting for Threadripper unless you need it. Don't wait for Big Navi. You need to build a PC, guys. That is the heart of this episode. Just build now before stuff sells out. Yeah, I mean, and if something is going to come out this year, expect to hear about it like this week. Yeah, right. right? There's no time left, too. I mean, this is common sense. I don't need a source to tell you that. Uh, 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 that's what, and I've said in the Discord multiple times. If we don't, and in the YouTube comments, if we don't hear an announcement in two weeks, it's done. And we, and, yeah. and here's the other thing too. I think I had that as story number six, but let's mention it right now. There's leaks of Big Navi in Linux drivers or something, I believe. So we now see, and that's where it usually comes. But uh, those leaks for the 5700 XT were, I believe, three or so months, three or four months before that came out. So I think we're looking at best case scenario, a December launch for a 256-bit card that is a tad weaker than a 2080 Ti and they sell for 650 or something, right? I think that's best case scenario. And it's probably actually going to come out end of quarter one, if I had to guess. And there will, I, I think it'd be stupid if they didn't have a 16 gigabyte version, but I think that's what we're looking at. So I don't know that we're getting a Titan RTX killer, uh, to be honest, guys. And I think they don't care. I think what they want to do is launch this as the 5900 XT, wait a year, and then launch RDNA 2.0 on 6 nanometer or something, right? 6 nanometer EUV, 7 nanometer EUV, these are all marketing terms and they're all compatible with each other. (laughs) So they could have designed Navi on 7 nanometer and then just ported it to 7 EUV or 6 EUV, so. It seems like the whole, what is it, node compatibility, it seems like they're able to swamp between nodes pretty easily nowadays so <laughs> yeah so yeah that was story uh that was actually story number six there that we went into but now let's go back to story number five ampere rumor kinda <laughs> I, I i i really trolled this article hard on wccf the one that announced ampere better ray tracing higher clocks and be- and lower tdp versus turing what i mean what else can you say so uh, th- their n- next generation of cards is going to be better than their current one. Like that that's like a <laughs> that's like a weather forecaster just saying, I mean it's probably going to be sunny. 
They're right six times out of seven. <laughs> yeah. It's like when Red Gaming Tech had that Zen 3 will have higher IPC video. That was one of those times I just like yelled at my monitor. <laughs> I was like, fuck you. <laughs> oh, really? Which source told you that? Yeah, I mean, if you make this prediction, you're going to be right pretty much always, uh, except for like the one time it was wrong, arguably, with the yeah. transition from Phenom to uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Bulldozer. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, There were some warning signs for that one for a while. But yeah, and here's the thing I'll say too. Maybe they do have a source that told them some of this stuff. I certainly think that's a good chance. But like the um, this is where analysis has to come in of this. We have to ask follow-up questions. Like, is this like that? You know, what do you mean when you say that? But if you scroll down, all you get is just blah, blah, blah for five paragraphs or whatever. And then massive performance uplift for ray tracing. We all know that's what they're going to do. They're going to like make the RT performance insanely better so they can claim it's like four times stronger, you know? And better rasterization. Duh, it's not going to be I mean, weaker. More VRAM? Duh. Like, it's like, you guys, even if you have a source, you just wasted your source's info by making this look like you made it up. All of this is incredibly vague, to say the least. All of this information is so better ray tracing, higher rasterization through, throughput, more VRAM, lower TDPs, higher clock speeds and potentially limited overclocking. I guess that's the one actual take from this article is they actually said they overclocking might be worse. But that's they keep limiting it more and more every generation. They're going to just lock it down soon. That's no, yeah. Again though, it, it's like by the way guys, I know you've seen on my dry erase board behind me whispers of Z for a long time, <laughs> but I haven't done it yet cuz I haven't taken the time to scour for extra info and like ask sources follow-up questions. But again, what do I know? It's coming September next year, I think. And there's going to be HBM in a lot of models. That's <laughs> it. But someone can guess that. And I'm not going to do a video where I just take 10 minutes to tell you that. You know, and, and, and that's what this, these types of stories annoy me. But I will say this. We know this is all we know about it. And I'll accept that now there's a leak that it's not going to be called Ampere because of some patent from another company, which is funny. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, you know, I, I hear people saying, you know, it's going to come sooner than you think. And it's like, is it? Because I see no specs leaked. I, I'm telling you guys, I really think what's going to happen is 5900 XT comes out quarter one next year is about a 2080 Ti for half the price, which isn't saying a lot because the 2080 Ti is more than a Titan. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, uh, and then there's going to be about six months of nothing. And then uh, NVIDIA launches their seven nanometer cards like late next year. That, that's what I think is coming. And that'll be right around when Intel launches their cards. So that'll be, it'll really be Intel versus NVIDIA. That'll be a fun period of time. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, though, moving on. Number seven, seven nanometer EUV yields are in fact lower than seven nanometer FinFET. But it seems like only by 10%. So like they're... So that's something I've wondered. There were a lot of stories recently about, you know, seven nanometer EUVs doing better than expected. It might have better yields. And I'm like, it has better yields. I mean, they might just drop everything and move to Zen 3 quick. I mean, <laughs> you know, if it's cheaper, but it, but it turns out it's not cheaper, right? And that was a question I had. So I guess it's hard to say because I don't know. Can you say that seven nanometer EUV is a different process completely from FinFET? Or is it like... Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, m maturation. No, it's entirely so it, different. 
Yeah. So, I mean, if it's a new process, we you would expect it to have a lower efficiency than their more developed process, right? Yeah, but it is an entirely new manufacturing system. Uh, they're doing EUV instead of what they do now. So it took a profound amount of money. My understanding is that it takes a lot of energy to manufacture on it. So that would be the trade-off. Just because yield percentage is better, it might still cost a lot more per wafer. But they can make as many as they want if you can pay for it. Oh, okay. I mean, that makes okay. That makes sense then. Well, why this might be kind of bad news because reading about it, it seems like yeah. I mean, it's a newer process. Lower efficiency should be expected, but if it costs more, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for covering for me, Danny. He's watching me eat a Snickers right now, so I don't fall asleep. <laughs> Sorry, everyone, if you can hear me. I can sure. ramble a little bit more. <laughs> no, I, I try to stay awake. So, you know, I guess the big takeaway for me, though, is it is still at 70% yields. I mean, by the time Zen 3 gets here, guys, they're going to be pumping those suckers out. And if 7 nanometer FinFET's better than this, think about what that means. They're probably at 80% yields. And and keep in mind what 80% yields means. 80% yields means if they make all of these 70 millimeter squared Zen 2 chiplets, 80% of them are are 8 cores. Some of them won't clock as yeah. high, but that's why it's like, I don't know. That's why I think Threadripper may go 24, and the 24 may be three eight-core chiplets, because apparently they can do that, and then they may go to 20, uh, 32, four chiplets, and they may go to 48, so then that'd be six chiplets. You know, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but they could do that and just keep using tons of eight-core chiplets, which explains why they yeah. couldn't keep 3900X in stock, by the way. Only 20% of their yields are 3,900X chiplets. Well, not even 20, right? Some of them are probably quad cores. In that situation, though, it's... um, Don't they, like, disable some actual good yields to sell to lower uh, price tiers, or is that... You ever try intermittent fasting? It's eating only in an eight-hour window every day so that your body has time to burn fat instead of burning even more calories in your gut. Now, I'm no ketosis expert, but I do know that good coffee helps. Let me explain. I never really was into coffee in high school, barely drank it in college, but once I got into the automotive industry as a validation engineer, you know, the guy signing off that your cars are safe, I needed a lot of coffee to get me up early in the morning and keep me sharp. I had to make sure that your grandma doesn't get hurt when she undoubtedly hits an innocent bystander on the side of the road. She really shouldn't be driving anymore, should she? Wait, where was I? Oh yeah, coffee. I may not be a coffee connoisseur, but I do know the difference between good and bad coffee. I can taste it, and if it tastes good enough, I don't need to add cream or sugar. And you know what that means? No calories, baby. That's right, that's the point of this entirely overdrawn story. Go to RogueCoffeeRoastersMKE.com to get delicious coffee. These guys have figured out a way through a proprietary process of infusing flavors into their ingredients prior to roasting. That allows for flavors you just can't really get from anyone else. And you know what? This is a small business in Milwaukee. Support a small business in the center of the Midwest of the United States and get delicious flavors like Basic Bitch, which is a pumpkin spice latte that tastes, honestly, just as good as the pumpkin spice lattes at Starbucks, except they don't have those 380 calories. Or you know what? If you don't give a shit about calories, get Old Number 7, which tastes like you're having a whiskey in the morning. So... Have a whiskey in the morning without getting drunk, you savage. Or just add whiskey to it, and I'm sure it will taste even better. 
Go to RogueCoffeeRoastersMKE.com. That's RogueCoffeeRoastersMKE.com. All right, on with the show. I, I know that's happened in the past, at least, but I, I don't know if that's, that's what's true. going on right now. There, yeah. definitely, and that's like when you saw those Athlon times threes, and you could turn them into an Athlon times four. That's what that was. That One of the cores was clocked so much lower at the same voltage that they just disabled one of the cores. Or I think the funniest version of that ever happening was, what was it, the 472 gigabyte? <laughs> Where, oh, no, the 474 gigabyte. N- well, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. 480, the RX 480. But that one was yeah. not because of yields. They actually just BIOS flashed a 488 gigabyte into a 484 gigabyte because they didn't have enough of the GDR5 chips that had half capacity, <laughs> but they have a quota they need to meet. So they just flash them to four gigabytes. So you could flash 484 gigabytes into eight gigabytes when they first came out. For, for like, if you got lucky on like the first run of purchasing. That was nice for those people. <laughs> a $200 eight gigabyte card as strong as a 290X. I mean, if they, they need to meet a quota for like the 3900X, I, I would assume that they would just disable some of their good yields if they need to. Yeah, so we got a question here from Steak and Chicken Man. I love that name. Uh, That's a good name. Weren't you a Steak and Chicken Man when we went to that Japanese restaurant when we were little? You always got chicken, and then you'd sometimes throw steak on it too. Or would you? And I get salmon. Yeah, that's right. You were you were a chicken and salmon man. (laughs) So this that's not with this guy's though. You're a steak and you're a chicken and salmon man. This guy's a steak and chicken man. (laughs) All right. So he has a question here. Samsung versus TSMC node comparisons for NVIDIA going forward. In other, uh, what he's asking is, what's the difference between Samsung 7 nanometer, TSMC, and, uh, you know, all the... Uh, and then I guess I'll throw in Intel as well. I mean, so I will do a full analysis probably eventually. But um, my understanding, first of all, is that Samsung's is worse. They're almost always a bit worse and more geared towards lower power. But I don't know how much worse, and I don't think we can know until Samsung starts making some graphics cards on 7 nanometer. I mean, I know everyone keeps saying Samsung's ready to go now, and I see their press releases, but it's like, okay, where are they? <laughs> I can't remember the exact deal, but Samsung has a lo- shares a lot of copyrights with TSMC or something like that, right? Or that, No, that's no, Global Foundries. Oh, you're... Okay, sorry. So, I mean, yeah, I guess I have nothing really to say about Samsung. Sunk seven nanometer EUV. Uh, <laughs> seems like pretty much the market leader is TSMC seven nanometer though right now. Yeah, they have a commanding lead. I hesitate to put a number on it. My guess is Samsung's is about ten percent worse, but my God, I'm guessing. But all I know is they're not here yet, and TSMC is making products. So, you know. All right, moving forward. Grimzod writes in, just like you, Cam, and he says, with TSMC set to volume produce 5 nanometer chips as early as March 2020, and Apple and Huawei via its arm of, let me see, what does it say? He Silicon. High Silicon. High Silicon, absorbing the vast majority of the 7 nanometer process node from TSMC for their phones. Will AMD seek to contract more capacity under the 5 nanometer node than the previous 7 nanometer before it is absorbed by larger players? You know, I think the way I will just phrase this question is, I've seen a lot of people say this um, 
in the Discord. Is AMD going to have capacity problems because of Apple buying up all of the five nanometer? And I just don't think that I, I really, 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 I've been told this by a couple sources. I really don't think TSMC has capacity problems. So I think I'm just going to say that, guys. Stop asking me a question revolving around the idea TSMC has a capacity problem. There are supply problems like AMD did not expect people to buy all the six core chiplet products. And as they did not think everyone would just get the 3900X, which I don't know why yeah. they would think that. I mean, it's a new product. It's a 12 core. That's really cool. <laughs> but like they thought more people would want their gaming focus 3800X or the 30, you know, or the $330 eight core. They're like, why is everyone buying this 12 core? Most people use eight cores. Well, it's cooler. And they misunderstood <laughs> demand there. The reason the 3900X sold out is not because of TSMC capacity problems. It's because of six core chiclet supply problems. Those are very different things. I think TSMC just announced they're doing like $14 billion and tooling up more fabs. And then that's... I think it's $19 billion. Like, yeah, they're... Oh, Jesus. Yeah, they're spending a lot of fucking and money. And so think of it. That's a snowball effect. And, and I want to touch on this too. I get the feeling that Global Foundries canceled seven nanometer. They said they could have gotten to it on time, but it really was a business decision that would have cost billions of dollars and that their 12 nanometer FDX was getting better results than expected. So they wanted to offer an alternative. And they were like, not everyone can just go to TSMC because they have limited capacity eventually. And this will be easier to design for, less heat density, the same efficiency. Not everything needs to be super dense. So we're going to just go with this. And what they miscalculated is that if TSMC technically has the best process, it will fill up with capacity. They will make more money. What can you do with more money? Build more fabs. And then those will fill up and they can build more fabs. I think Global Foundry fucked up at this point. I, I mean, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. It seems like TSMC is really, the past few years, it seems like TSMC is the big winner. Like they're really <laughs> developing incredibly fast with their new nodes. And I, I, I don't know. It seems like TSMC is able to just expand their capacity a ton right now. And I don't know if you've seen anything, but are there any rumors of capacity issues with TSMC? Because that doesn't seem like it's actually an issue. Um, I mean, yeah, there are, and I've been told they're bullshit by a couple sources. <laughs> like I've been okay. told they're straight up bullshit. And maybe they will get them eventually, so don't yell at me in the future here. I mean, everyone wants their better nodes, but yeah. What, what I gotta say is this, too. Everyone keeps saying, you know, Apple's got more money, or maybe NVIDIA will just swoop in and buy all the capacity. It's like, I don't think, no, this is a business. AMD is selling a 3900X for $500. That's one 400, no, that's one 150 millimeter squared, 12 nanometer die. That's the IO. That costs them like <laughs> nothing to make. Yeah. <laughs> and these are 71 millimeter squared chiplets, disabled ones. They're selling two 71 millimeter squared chiplets, which probably costs like, I don't honestly, like 40 bucks to make, let's say, not less than that. And a like a $20 12 nanometer chiplet, if that, maybe 15 bucks, packaging it and selling it for $500. Apple is not selling, uh, is not buying those processors for their chips on seven nanometer for 
for for even, you know, so think it doesn't matter. AMD's made an insanely profitable product here. Right? Yeah. I mean, and Intel's looking to sell four core eight thread i3s for I think a hundred bucks next year in Comet Lake. Those cost like 40 bucks to make or something. They're selling them for a hundred. Come on, guys. Look at the profit margins. AMD is, you know, and this is just like right now as yields get better. It's and it's in TSMC's best interest to a, cause AMD to give Intel as much damage as possible right now because a more powerful AMD now gives them more money for R&D for better products which means buying more TSMC capacity. <laughs> Apple will always be there buying, you know. So so there's a lot of things TSMC has to weigh here and it's not just can Apple come in or can Nvidia come in or Huawei or just come in and buy this capacity. AMD's got a lot more clout here because they can share their profits with TSMC and they're making a killing on these things. Yeah. And they deserve to. They've designed the best processor in history. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so I wouldn't be so sure, you know, we'll we'll have to see. I do think you're going to get into a situation though eventually where everyone just goes to TSMC and TSMC is going to start holding all the cards and they're going to say, "All right, AMD, We'll give you the five nanometer for your APUs, but we might want you to use our six nanometer for Zen 4 or something. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll still use five nanometer. But you can see a situation where certain products, they're like, maybe design this for six nanometer, please. And they kind of can. And once AMD is in a dominant position, they can kind of do that. Does that make sense? That's just my thoughts, yeah. right? I, I just really don't think people should worry too much about the capacity problems or about people swooping in and buying stuff out from AMD. AMD's top dog in profitability <laughs> for chiplet right now, guys. It's a new world we're living in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number eight. Five nanometer is ramping up. <laughs> so just moving on with all of this here. Um, if this is if this episode is curb your AMD enthusiasm, it uh What's the opposite of curb your of curb yeah. your uh, TSMC enthusiasm? Yeah, it's TSMC is on curb your curb your AMD enthusiasm, but uh, light up the burners for TSMC because <laughs> things are nuts right now. Yeah, I mean, I said that I think they're the winners of the past few years, and that this seems like to further verify that. Like, so they're going to have five nanometers two years from now, right? So they're going to start ramping things up next year with five nanometer, and they're already ramping up six now. There's going to be six nanometer products by the end of next year. I'm not sure how many of those AMD will use. It doesn't seem like any of them are on their roadmap as of yet. And then 2021, five nanometer. And then, I mean, and then I guess I'll move on to, by the way, number nine, TSMC adding 8,000 new jobs as it starts focusing on three nanometer. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, I believe, coming in about 2023. Yes, mass production in 2023. And for now, I think we can... You can't take TSMC at face value because that's who knows if they'll have an issue. But again, the problem going to 7 nanometer... Well, the problem going to 6 nanometer was FinFETs. And once they got that, they just got to 10 and then they got to 7, right? And EUV yeah. was the next thing and they planned ahead. And they're on EUV now. It's working. So I think, yeah. So... 6 nanometer 2020, 5 nanometer 2021, 3 nanometer 2023. I, I, uh, TSMC could take over all of silicon, honestly. It's a little concerning, <laughs> actually, how powerful they're getting. Yeah, if they meet their goals as fast as 
what it looks like they're going to meet them, or at least what they're presenting they're going to meet them as. Like, yeah, they could be the leaders in uh, Silicon in general, just the market leaders, like they are the gatekeepers for everything. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I almost worry they're like getting too powerful to the point that they'll become like a Borderlands Hyperion Corporation where they start <laughs> making things they have no reason to produce. Like Hyperion branded <laughs> houses and tents and cars <laughs> next to your Hyperion branded gun and your Hyperion hotel. <laughs> I don't know what else I have to say about that. Like, do you have thoughts on... Um... I, I have one final thought here. So... <laughs> Five years ago was 20, let's say, yeah, well, it's almost 2020. So about five years ago, mm-hmm. we were talking about 14 nanometer products and 28 nanometer graphics cards still. Yeah. And so then you go a couple of years from that. And now we're like, well, we finally got to, you know, well, we're still on 28. We're still on 14. Then we <laughs> finally got to 16 and now seven. Uh. <laughs> Five years from now is 2024, 2020, almost 2025. And we might be on three nanometer Zen 5 or Zen 6 chips versus whatever the heck Jim Keller was storing up. <laughs> I The next five years are going to be insane. And it's going to be propelled by people finally getting past these barriers we've had in silicon design. 3D stack, three nanometer chips. Uh, I, I don't know. It's hard. Oh, that's the thing to keep in mind is don't forget about all the other stuff. Things are that all the other stuff being worked on too. It's, it's really going to get nuts. That's why I build now, yeah. guys. Like if you're waiting, <laughs> just build now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, uh, it, especially just with nodes uh, die shrinking. Seems to be one of the most exciting things. Um, and who knows? <laughs> five years from now, maybe they'll. That's where they'll hit the next wall, but. I mean, that's what I've been guessing, but it's a guess. I've always guessed the wall will be three nanometer, and I'm sure there will be, whether it's real two nanometer or not, I'm sure they will have some branded two nanometer thing. Yeah, which I guess that that is the main thing, uh, a detraction from, well, two nanometer is the theoretical limit, and we're getting close to two nanometer. I mean, I guess we're technically not close to two nanometer, so maybe they could push it to whatever marketing bullshit they have and eventually we'll be in some weird situation where they say like the zero nanometer transistor. But. <laughs> They'll be like 0.5 nanometer. No, dude, wait, what's yeah. more than nano? Is it Pico? No. Pico. Maybe they'll do that. They'll brand it Pico meter. Just be like, ha ha. We look so cool. <laughs> okay. And number 10, the 9900KS is out, Dan. You know what? Let's just stop there. What are your thoughts about the 9900KS? What what things have you watched? What do you think? I think the 9900 line, I guess, is it a line now? Because how many are there? Three? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I think there's a 9900T, which is the 45-watt version. Mm. And then there's the 9900, which is the non-K65, 65-watt, biggest rolling eye air quotes ever. Uh, and then, the, I mean, that was the one I did the uh, forum cop on. No, that was the 9700, but that's also a course. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I guess, I, I don't know. This seems like their attempt to compete with the 3900X at a similar price. Yep, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's something I've talked about is I really just feel Intel for now is insistent on holding that $500 price point. The rumor is they're 10 core. Whether it's impressive or not, I, I mean, I'm not going to care uh, that that's going to be $500, even though AMD has a 12 core. 
uh, there, and they'll probably have a refresh 12 core. If not, and again, remember, uh, Comet Lake's delayed due to power issues, guys. I yeah. reported on that in Whispers of Golden Cove, then Adored backed it up with his own sources. So I think that's coming quarter two. Zen three is three, like quarter four. It, it's ba- and it could slip to quarter three. I've been told. Like there's a world where they Intel launches Comet Lake, and then a few months later, Zen three just drops <laughs> right next to it. So, but I guess they're going to try to hold that price point. And it, it, what really blew me away is how the 9900 KS isn't really stronger. <laughs> it's like two percent or something. Yeah, I I don't know. It's I expected the, more. I did. Well, it's it just it's the non-throttle ninety nine hundred K, right? It, it, I don't know. It's just not as much throttle. It's still yeah, is. a little a little less throttle ninety nine hundred K. I don't know. It's just I guess the price point against the thirty nine hundred X isn't completely unjustified, but it, it, I, I I saw several websites with their ninety nine hundred K clocked higher at the same voltage. Okay. So it is on average better samples. That's correct. Silicon Lottery, that website confirmed that. But it's not much. Like this and and again, here's the scary thing people need to think about. People are like, well, what about Comet Lake? Guys, Comet Lake's not coming soon. This is it. This is all Intel's got for the next six months. Yeah, because when is that likely coming? Q late Q2 2020 or something like that? Or it's kind of all over the place. They wanted to announce it at CES and bring it out like beginning of 2020, but they say quarter two at the earliest now. So take okay. that as whatever it means. I would say six months from now, probably. But it could slip. Well, if Q2 is the earliest six months from now, it would be somewhat optimistic, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's why I said Oh, okay. That's <laughs> what you mean. Okay. <laughs> it's just... This is... Guys, get a 3900X. This is so ridiculous. It's the golden sample that they're selling for a higher price, I guess, of the 9900K. It's it's nothing new. It's just they're selling you the winners of the Silicon Lottery. Mostly. <laughs> Mostly, yeah. You still there's still there's still a chance. Yeah. But the but the thing is it's about the same price and they dropped the price of the 9900K. I guess the last thing I'll add yeah. to this is I also reported they're doing price cuts. So I expect this to just become five hundred dollars flat. And I expect the 9900K to become 450, the 9900 to get to 400, you know? Yeah. But I just, guys, Intel prices are going to keep dropping over the next two years or something. So <laughs> don't buy now. And I would not buy ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Number 11, 10 nanometer desktop CPU. So this one's funny. I just love Intel claiming we have 10 nanometer desktop coming early next year. Guys, Technically, that could just mean those small form factor quad cores that they do with those laptop chips. You've seen those, right, Dan? Yeah. I mean, that's all that means, 10 nanometer on desktop. Yeah. I think there's, <laughs> I think there's basically no chance they're bringing 10 nanometer high-performance socketed stuff early next year. Almost no chance. And if they do, it's still not going to be as good as just a faster Zen 2. Yeah, I mean, because what lineup would that mean? Because Ice Lake and Tiger, like you probably mentioned, yeah, yeah it, Ice Lake is meant for laptops at least currently, though, isn't it? Yeah, but they sell. Remember, they sell desktop versions of their laptop yeah, processors, yeah. but it's not a socket. It comes in that embedded. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nu- they call it NUC a NUC. A NUC, yeah. <laughs> So that's all this is, and Tiger Lake's not coming till second half 2020. Someone sent me a little more info. 
Tiger Lake second half, that'll have uh, Willow Cove, which should be pretty cool for laptops, but then then that's not coming to desktop and <laughs> NUX. Ever? And, <laughs> well, it probably will, but like end of 2020. And again, it's just quad cores. I've seen nothing that it's any more than four cores still. Yeah. Which so is, but hey, <laughs> Tiger Lake is supposed to have, Willow Cove is supposed to have maybe up to 10% more IPC than Ice Lake. So again, I love this idea of like a 35% higher total IPC <laughs> or like a 30% higher IPC uh, quad core that manages to game better than the 10 core in some games. It would be <laughs> rare, but if it has 30% more IPC, there will be games where that beats Intel's faster clock desktop chips. At least it should mean that. So ultimately, the next like new lineups that are coming to desktop for is Comet Lake, and that's 14 nanometer, ultimately, right? Yeah. All right, I'm getting tired. Let's move on. <laughs> Number 12. Not really much to say here, but interestingly, Microsoft just confirmed all of the obvious information about Scarlet. Custom AMD processor, high bandwidth GDR6, this is GDR6, and so next generation solid state drives. So when you see next generation, I guess the big question, when you say next generation solid state drives, do you think that means NVMe? Uh, right? Yeah, well, around that speed, because again, no one said they're using NVMe. <laughs> like, this might be soldered to the motherboard. Yeah, which I haven't looked into that a lot, but you've mentioned to me that you think that might be a, what Sony is doing, where they have a... I really get the feeling they're doing some kind of direct infinity fabric connection or something. Well, and it also seems like uh, Microsoft is trying to go for that infinitely fast loading speed as well. Like, it seems like both of them are trying to target that. So mm -hmm. I think both of them might be going for some solution like that. I mean, what are the speeds on NVMe, I guess? Because if they're going for... I mean, that. I mean that's the PCIe 4.0 drives you can get now. I, those get up to... I mean, you've seen them in this show. Nine gigabytes per second for the crazy expensive ones. And you should expect... I mean, the ones I'm looking at right now are about five gigabytes per second. So I guess I'm just curious, like, what is the speed of an NVMe, NVMe drive, is that fast enough to achieve the goals that they're trying to... Right now, yeah. I'd yeah. Probably, yeah. We just don't know what speed they're going to settle on. I yeah. think Sony's basically confirmed it's at least three... Well, the first leaks were over three gigabytes per second. So I'm, <laughs> I'm expecting at least four. And drive costs are going to continue to go down. So it makes sense for them to... Again, if you're going to bet on things for a console... If you because like, if you're gonna say your console below cost for like the first half year, what things should you bet on? Memory. Memory goes down in price over time. Yeah. So you should bet on the fastest GDR6, the fastest uh, storage, and that will pay dividends when those things are half the price in a year and a half. You know, everything else will get cheaper too in general, but like a power supply, eh, you know. So just try to make sure it doesn't use more than 200 watts. Or 300, or 200 or 300. Or yeah. you're going to need to get a really expensive power supply. But, you know, spending a lot on memory up front makes sense. So I, I really do expect really fast speeds here. So there's not much to add to this story. I think it's worth mentioning that they literally confirmed it. I mean, I'm really excited to see the unveiling of the next Xbox and the PS5. I'm very excited to see whatever they're doing because I think it's going to be interesting. I think both of them are going to be pretty interesting. 
Yeah. And I'm looking at like confirm, like I'm Googling right now, like PS5 stuff. It's like all the same stuff. Custom Zen, Navi, SSD. Yeah. So they're, they're, so far, we know they're going to be probably similar-ish performance. I've been told the PS5 stronger, but that was five months ago. <laughs> so we don't know. And before that, I was told the Xbox was stronger. <laughs> yeah. And that adds another thing where like, I think the P- the PS4 was obviously the strongest console when it came out versus the Xbox One, but... Dude, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. We could do a die shrink on that. We probably should. But no, they're targeting similar solutions, and it seems like this generation they're doing pretty much the same thing again. Where, like, with the PS3 versus 360, they they were wildly different, different d- design philosophies, and it seems like both of them have honed in, and they're essentially going for very similar design philosophies now. At at least as it comes to like the architectures that they're using. Yeah. All right. So that's all of the stories, but we have a few reader mails. I say we get through them. Okay. All right. Dan did not vote no. Wendy does not care. Wendy does not care. She is a dog and she is sleeping. Reese is upstairs staring out of the window. Okay. All right. First question comes from blokes. When you talk about how prices are better and quad cores prices have plummeted, you all, guys, you got to work on your word in here. <laughs> you talk about, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> guys, I'm going to stop reading questions if you can't take the time to put together a well-formed sentence. <laughs> As I, I took out a letter opener, I opened up your mail, and now... I, But anyways, Bloke says, one thing we seem to miss is that the platform costs have also massively plummeted, that it's not just that six cores are half the price, but that the motherboards themselves are no longer $400 for that six core, but $100. You can get an X, a B450 Tomahawk motherboard for like, and I've seen, yeah, you can see these on Newegg. You can see some decent B450 motherboards that can take a 3900X for like 80 bucks. So if you think about it, if before a six core was 450 and a motherboard was 400, now it's like $100 for the motherboard and you know 500 for the processor. Like yeah. things are crazy cheaper. Uh I mean yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know how much I have to add to that. It, it, <laughs> One thing I like that he also brings up here in his letter is that Cooling is also way better because of how efficient AMD's high core count processors are. And that's something I've thought about too. If I get a 3900X, I don't think I'm going to get a... uh, It's basically I'm going to get like some really high-end Asus motherboard with a built-in sound card and really, really over-engineered VRMs (laughs) and then a 3950X. But if I get the 3900X, I might get that Azrock motherboard that's fine and just keep using my 92 millimeter all-in-one liquid cooler. Yeah, I mean, and that would probably work perfectly fine. <laughs> right, it's a 95, there's a 105 watt processor. I don't actually remember, but, and it's not like I, there's some gigantic trade-off here. <laughs> <laughs> I can uh, just keep using my 92, and it is 92, by the way, guys. I've had this since college. 92 millimeter liquid cooler. You had to buy it direct from the OEM before, but they made them. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Carbon Cry writes in, do you have, can you get 
any interconnect info from your Intel sources. I know I'm a broken record. He is. He keeps asking me. And he's writing <laughs> an article about interconnects for the website as well, everyone. Uh, but 40% higher IPC, that's what was rumored for Golden Cove, everybody. Uh, and insane core counts won't amount to anything if Intel doesn't have a solid successor to QPI, UPI, which is what they use now, or that an improved mesh architecture, which is that horrible mesh they use in Cascade Lake X, Sky Lake X, all that stuff. <laughs> And then he also mentions, yeah, I know IBM engineers made fun of Intel at hot chips. So that was hilarious, by the way. They were like straight up making fun of their interconnect. <laughs> like the Intel guy, so IBM was giving a presentation to like their open source interconnect. And like Intel says, why do you think it's so special? I mean, we, you know, the, the, com the competition has it. And, you know, every other company seems to have an interconnect. And the IBM guys, like to the Intel engineer in the audience is like, well... With all due respect, we don't think everybody else has it. Well, Intel has it, and then he cuts them off and goes, I've seen the brochures. Uh, tell me when you sell a product with them. <laughs> and the entire audience started laughing <laughs> at the Intel guy, which is like, I agree. Carbon Cry, I, and this is something Adore talked about in, his uh, one, in his, one of his recent videos where he goes through his leaks for Intel. You know, that it is, which he confirmed, by the way, Dan. Yes, Sapphire Rapids might have giant core counts. Ice Lake might get some decent, like 56 cores or something. The guys don't quote that. That's what it yeah, could be. Yeah. We, we know 38 cores. That's confirmed. But we don't know if it gets higher than that. They could. And, and there's a lot of rumors that Sapphire Rapids might get to on a monolithic die 96 cores or something. So I agree, though. That's really good. And the top yields on 10 nanometer if it's a monolithic die, will be incredibly performant. It will be awesome. But how many can you make and what will they cost? <laughs> you know, and, and this is the thing that I'm really wondering about too, is like, this is the one thing I wonder if Intel would make this insane of a mistake, where they actually work with Jim Keller on the ultimate architecture, and then they still insist on not using Infinity Fabric or whatever their version would be. It worries me. Because you still see them making fun of it. You still see the CEO and chief engineers. Uh, this came out, I think, this week. It says, we add more cores where it makes sense, and we use interconnects when it makes sense. Like, hinting like they have no plans to do it across most of their product line or something. Uh, I completely muddled that quote, but they were basically making fun of AMD's insistence on using interconnects on AM4. It, it, that seems like an insecurity of from Intel engineers then to me. Like... Well, it, it seems like these interconnects are the current, <laughs> they're what is driving the market forward right now. And it seems like this is just an insecure Intel engineer. Like, well, we use them when it's smart to use them. <laughs> right. And that like that's what their point is with that double, what is it, uh, double 28 core they have now that uses 400 watts. They use an interconnect, but it's grossly inferior. And the yeah. only reason they can get away with using that is that it's using it in an enterprise setting where you're not doing any gaming across 56 cores or something <laughs> like that. But if they did that now with dual four cores, it would not perform well. And they did it with the Vega plus KB Lake quad core, remember? But again, that's a graphics card and a processor. They effectively were just using like a special PCIe link. That's fine. <laughs> but I don't know what else to say to that carbon cry, except that Yes, <laughs> I agree. If they are insistent on not, or, or, or if they fail to get some kind of interconnect comparable to Infinity Fabric, it's very worrisome. 
And I think people go, Jim Keller is there, so Intel has to succeed. Jim Keller didn't make all of Zen. There were teams of engineers and managers directing them to build stuff a certain way. And most of Gen was Zen was not designed by Jim Keller. And he's not there now. And they're all and they're still implementing new technologies. Well, it, yeah. Jim I, Keller I, is not gonna save Intel by himself, everyone. Well, yeah, and I feel like that. It, I don't really have that much to say on just this individual question because I, I honestly I don't know that much about what he's asking about. But an individual person isn't going to know everything. Got like people have this weird compulsion to attribute everything to a single person, which I feel like there's that great man theory of history where it's like I think most of the idea of the great man theory of history is just people over-interpreting history and just saying like, well, this is the guy that did it. No, it wasn't just Jim Keller. It was Jim Keller with a team of several hundred engineers. <laughs> most of them probably geniuses. Yeah. Which, which on that note, I mean, I'm watching the new season of Silicon Valley right now, and I, <laughs> it's such a great show. <laughs> but... um I I already got a lot of the stuff they were talking about and the jokes they were making about how things work in that industry. In any industry, right, you can see the jokes they make about corporate stuff and salespeople without ever going to Silicon Valley. But now that I was at Hot Chips, the way they portray it there is is so correct, it's insane. I felt like I was there again while watching the show. It is a very quiet, nice, beautiful place to live. It just feels like a place for fermenting thought. Almost everyone there I talked to was like a genius. <laughs> like these were the sharpest people. It was like I was in college again or more, right? Yeah. You know, like smarter. So these are the smartest people that went to the smartest colleges. So like talking to these people, it was just nice to talk to so many sharp people at once where you could just snappy conversations quickly <laughs> back and forth about any subject you wanted. And they were all like, you know, and all of these people work at these companies. It's not just Jim Keller. Oh, yeah, sure, I'm sure Jim Keller would win a drinking contest with any of them. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not trying to diminish Jim Keller. He's obviously oh, God, an incredibly no. smart person. It's not like Jim Keller just came into AMD or and now is in Intel, and he's like, we need to do all of these sweeping big <laughs> changes to our design philosophy. Or we're going to do all these things AMD did and this. Yeah. Like, that's not what's going to happen. Yeah, it, it, one person isn't smart enough to do that. And I, like, once again, well, not... Or, or, well, he can't be in multiple places at once. Exactly. Like, there's this whole thing with, especially just research, to attribute all of it to one person. And usually if you look at any big monumental discovery and research, there is too much for one person to have done. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of Intel's problems are its culture. And this is something that's becoming more and more apparent as we go forward, is that their culture rotted. They had a terrible CEO. They had people that were asleep at the wheel in middle management. And now it seems like they're waking up. But I just, when I see them make fun of Infinity Fabric, and I have been told that internally, from a source that internally at Intel right now, they're acknowledging they screwed up. Mm -hmm. But to me, it seems like, and I'm just realizing this now, when they talk about screwing up, it's they shouldn't have insisted on 10 nanometer. 
They should have gone, like the examples I've been given literally are, they shouldn't have insisted on 10 nanometer. They shouldn't have been so aggressive. They should have worked harder at making sure they hit milestones instead of going, who cares? Which frankly, that's what they did. They said, who cares? You know, we don't, we don't need yeah. to hit any milestone. We're in charge. And we'll always be on charge. And then they said things like, why haven't we gone to PCIe 4.0 yet? That came out a couple of years ago. We could have been there already with the 9900K. We could have been to all this other stuff already. That's the examples I've been given. I haven't had one person say we should have made an infinity fabric. I haven't had, you know, or anything like that. And, and that concerns me. Yeah. I do think they'll be able to keep up if they make this golden cove that really is as good as I'm told it could be. And they actually do get it out in 2021. Although I have my doubts that it'll come out then. I think it's more likely 2022. But I don't know. There's only so many things you can put on 14 nanometer. A lot of their newest stuff is on 10. You can't just have all Halo products that are paper launched and then 14s below them dirt cheap. <laughs> because, uh, and this is something I talked about, I think in my newest video where it's like, we got to understand is this about gaming performance. For, for example, right now, Intel is the best gaming performance. So Silicon Lottery is a website. You know that website, right, Dan? We mentioned it earlier here. So, yeah. they, so they they buy a bunches of chips, bend them, and sell them at a higher price. And sometimes they delid them for you and stuff too. So they bought 9900KSs and they're selling 5.2 gigahertz, 90, and this is all cores at 5.2 gigahertz, 9900KSs for $1,200. Sold out instantly. I don't know how many they had for sale, but you know. And that is the best gaming performance. I guess those top, top, top 5.2 gigahertz, eight cores. I guess that's probably 10%, 15% better than the 3900X at gaming. It probably can run 200 hertz like it's nothing. Cool. And yeah, my, my guess would be a lot of work went into making those CPUs. <laughs> yeah. So here's what you got to think I, I about should that. say binning those CPUs, but... That thing is probably only 30% better at gaming than a $200 3600. Yeah. Now, right now, there are enough people that will buy $500 to $1,200 chips if they are 10% better at gaming. But if Zen 2 has 10% higher IPC and 5% higher clocks, that applies to their entire lineup. That applies to their entire lineup because of how they do binning and chiplets. It's not like Intel where it's like, oh... Um, this top chip's 10% better at gaming. If they get 10% higher IPC and higher clocks, all of them are. And they all basically game the same at this point. <laughs> so think about what that means. People talk about 3900X versus 9900K because they're the same price. But they should really be comparing the 3800X because it games just as well as the 3900X. Yeah. So we're talking about a situation where Intel's Top of the line, golden golden samples of a golden sample is like 20% better than AMD's mid-range chips. If Zen 3 is 20% better, it applies to everything. All of a sudden, AMD's $200 and $300 chips are as good as Intel's $1,000. <laughs> That's my point. And they're not going to solve that problem until they get better infinity fabric out. And that's really the worry with Intel here is it's not like they just lose. It's not like when NVIDIA brings out a new graphics card and they just win everything by 20% more. Not only does AMD win everything by 20% more, but that is gaming. So now they're, well, there's only a 20% difference already. <laughs> so now their <laughs> low end chip is as good as Intel's best. That's why I think it's splitting hairs when people talk about uh, gaming performance on any of these CPUs. Yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, I had to, I had to go on that long rant there because I, I do think it really is a thing. Now, Frederick Lau writes in just like you can, and he says, how many months or years ahead is AMD current technology from Intel? So I put some thought into this question. I think a year and a half in process technology and slightly ahead in design philosophy, but years ahead in culture. Oh, wow. That perfectly led into that. <laughs> Would you agree, Dan? Yeah, I guess generally speaking, like AMD isn't incredibly ahead of Intel as far as like any of their tech goes, but it seems well, well, like... Well, some of their tech, but yeah, there's some. a lot of tech. Like look yeah. at Lakefield. It's insanely cool. But it Lakefield. seems like Intel, uh, like, and I think that's why it's important to say their culture is years behind. It seems like Intel just kind of let their entire design philosophy slip for like five years. And I mean, that's partially just because AMD wasn't doing anything for that entire time, but... Yeah, and, and again, here's my problem. I, I've talked about this in several of my recent videos. My worry, like right now, AMD is a semi-custom company. Microsoft comes to them and they're like, we like your APUs, but we wish it was 10% stronger and the graphics was 20% better. And they're like, boom, designed for you. <laughs> <laughs> and AMD can do that. Xbox comes over there. We want this level of performance. Done. Done. It, Sony, done. HP can come up and say, we, and, and you can bet that's going to start happening, by the way, now that everyone sees Microsoft got a custom APU. Other people are going to come and say, hey, could you do this? And then maybe put a little extra L4 cash? Sure. Pay us money. Done. Yeah. And that applies to everything. Now, people look at Intel right now and think they're doing the same thing, but they're not. Lakefield, as impressive as it is, no one came to them and asked for it. They just made it and they hope people buy it. And they just make Ice Lake. They just make Comet Lake. And then they just make all this other stuff. My worry is that the only reason Intel can compete with AMD's nimble semi-custom me methodology is that Intel's 10 times bigger, so they can literally make everything you can conceive of. <laughs> and then one of those things is perfect. I mean, think about their failed Atom chips, their failed mobile phone chips, all of these failed endeavors. Half of their shit fails, but they just make everything. And so the things that work are great because they have so much money and they can continue to fund the things that work. That's not going to work forever if they lose enough market share. And if AMD becomes big enough to really start doing several semi-custom designs for everyone, like a semi-custom R9 laptop for HP and then a semi-custom low-power one for Dell over here. Like AMD can start do, uh, doing semi-custom things for everyone on demand. doesn't matter if we switch to RISC-V. They have all the IP. They have graphics cards. They can just make whatever you want. And I just worry Intel's culture is we're so big we can make everything. What happens when they even have 30% less money or their competition is half as big instead of a tenth as big? That's really what I worry about when it comes to Intel. And it's the culture. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I feel like that's going to be something that challenges Intel within the next few years with uh, like TSMC taking off so much and just eliminating the fabs that uh, Intel currently outsources. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. The thing Adored put, points out, I think one of the best thing Adored pointed out in one of his recent videos was that TSMC's capacity is like past Intel now. So Intel doesn't even have brute force. And if, if TSMC is spending $19 billion on more fabs, guys, Intel... Again, that's like, oh my God. It's like people have problems forgetting that this is moving targets. Yes, Golden Cove could be 40% better with 128 cores, let's say. <laughs> AMD may be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And AMD may be there with way more backing. Yeah, I don't know. It's just important to remember that Intel also gets a lot of their money from being a fab at this point. And it's if they can't. If they can't even get that. Yeah. I, I expect- <laughs> and, and, and here's the other thing, right? That's something I said before in podcasts here is that I believe Intel, if they start losing sales, they'll just farm out their 14 nanometer capacity to build phones and all this other stuff. <laughs> Not if TSMC's just got a bazillion seven <laughs> nanometer fabs. No one's going to want their junk 14 nanometer. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow, I just made a real big argument for a doomsday scenario for <laughs> Intel. Holy shit. Oops. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess there it is, people. That's the doomsday scenario. No one wants their fabs because TSMC has twice as many fabs as Intel, and they're all 7 nanometer. Intel doesn't have an infinity fabric. And their nimbleness was never there. And so when they can't rely on them just having everything at once, what can they rely on? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that's what will happen, but I guess I'll say this. They go out of business, that's what would cause it. <laughs> and frankly, that's kind of what happened to Sony when they almost went out of business. The only reason Sony could make everything so well is because they were making everything. <laughs> uh, they survived. We'll see what happens, Intel. All right. Last question. I feel like Dan's falling asleep in front of me right now. I need to make dinner, and it's getting pretty late. <laughs> All right. Rational Mind writes in, and he says, Hi, Tom and Dan. I'm smiling. If I may ask you a question, do you think Intel could deliberately cause problems with ARC's 5700 XT drivers? Let me explain. Five of my colleagues and I bought the 5700 XT. Some from Asus, MSI. I got one from Sapphire, the Nitro Plus. So here's the deal. Every single one of them has had major problems with the card. Crashes, black screens, hard locks. I, on the other hand, had very little issues with the card. Some, but they weren't deal breakers. I noticed they all have 8th and 9th gen Intel CPUs on Z390. And it drove them crazy for three weeks and they decided to return them. Oh, wow. And then got a 2070 Super, which has been performing stable without a single issue. AMD lost five consumers just like that. And from what I can tell, most of these hard lock deal breaking issues occur on Intel platforms. Could there be something more to that? As it seems like an elegant way to drive people from AMD to NVIDIA because their AMD cards simply don't work. Thank you for all the work you put into the content and greetings from Croatia. Slight smile. Looks like his smile dipped a little bit at the end there. Um, I, I mean, what's your immediate thought, Dan? It looks like you have something to say. I mean, um, my immediate thought is probably not, I guess. Like, is there... In, That's what I'm tempted to say. Is there evidence too. of Intel doing this before? How much... Would they put a bunch of effort into making AMD lose performance so they would buy cards from another company that they aren't affiliated with? That'd be a pretty ballsy move when uh, Intel's got worse processors. All You'd be just as likely to push people to just get AMD CPUs. Yeah, and my thought is, it's not like they're gaining money from doing this. They're just not. They're just hurting their custom, their competitor a little bit in a pretty indirect way. I don't know. You know, my Radeon Seven's like the most stable card I've had in my life. This thing is amazing, <laughs> and it is a professional card, so you would hope so. Um, and that's on a Z. What was a sixty-seven hundred K? A Z one seventy? I think it's Z one seventy. Motherboard, uh, I don't have any problems. It looks like they were using different chipsets. 
And I know chipsets are from Intel are typically reliable, if anything. That is one thing I will always defend Intel on, is they typically have pretty reliable products, even if it's not in the security department, apparently. Um, and Yeah, I don't know. I think this is unlikely. And to me, it sounds like, which this can happen, You like if you look at a st- statistical model, there are outliers. Like you and four of your colleagues just happen to all get not good samples from Navi. I, I don't know. <laughs> like that that can happen. Yeah, it could be abnormal. What's the <laughs> word I'm looking for here, Dan? Abnormalities? That is a word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. So just say, good job, Tom. You said it correctly. Have good a jo- cookie. Good job, Tom. You said it correctly. Have a cookie. Thank you. I said it correctly. It didn't sound like a real word. Abnormality. Abnormality. This shouldn't be a word. <laughs> But it is, and that's the one I used. I, I don't think that this is a... That's weird that many people have problems. But that's still not a statistically significant number, right? I don't yeah. know. That's a, I, will, I will say that's weird. And my 5700 didn't have any driver issues, although it just couldn't <laughs> render. It just straight up <laughs> didn't work. So I'm... Tempted to blame AMD's drivers on that one, but I don't know. It's it's I'm like looking through again. Crashes, black screens, hard locks. That's weird though. That's that type of stuff is odd. Usually early driver issues are something like, I don't know, like this app crashes. Not like oh, but black screens and hard locks? That's that's and weird. I, and I don't know. I also notice um which I don't think it's co- uh stated com- very clearly but i think uh rational mind has a an amd cpu i think that's what he said yeah um, and keep in mind amd probably tests their own products more which i would say if you're actually trying to look for a decent way to prove your theory uh you should have ha- asked one of them to put their card into your system to see if it worked because if that yeah. turned out to be true that would have bolstered your theory, at least. I mean, yeah, if you would have said, I took two of them, put them in my system for a week and no problems. Well, then we could have said, well, then one or two things are true. Uh, clearly, it looks like the, it's likely that they work better in AMD systems, one, and on average, at least. And number two, maybe your friends are a bunch of dummies and <laughs> don't know how to <laughs> install drivers. But that's almost never the case. And I, I see that on Reddit all the time. The first thing suggested, is there a chance you're a fucking idiot? It's like, uh, I mean, uh, what I always love is when the OP is just like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I see that sometimes. Like, I'm getting bad performance in gaming. What can I do? Did you install drivers? Yeah, <laughs> I installed <Yes>. drivers. <laughs> I installed drivers, Reddit people. Yes. <laughs> this guy's as dumb as a doored. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I My guess is I, I would not think that Intel would do that, but... <laughs> I think the best way to put it is Intel may test their stuff on AMD stuff less than NVIDIA, and AMD may test their stuff less on Intel. Although, actually, I think it's more likely the other way, the other one. I think it, I think AMD, even in a lot of their benchmarks for their cards, if you look in the notes, they use a 9900K because they want their stuff to perform the best it can. If it's a 5% win, they're going to use the best. Like you can bet they're going to be using 9900K asses and benchmarks for their cards just because <laughs> eh, 5% matters to people apparently, you know? Yeah. Which by the way, when I build my benchmarking systems, I'm going to use mid-range 
CPUs anytime I use a low end graphics card. Just not happening. I'm not using. <laughs> I'm I'm not using like if I get a 3950X. It's not what I'm using to benchmark at 5500 guys. <laughs> like I want to know. Like and I've seen it before where like some things can perform way worse on weaker systems. Yeah. So. But especially when it comes to video RAM, too. That's the thing I'm going to insist on doing is only putting 16 gigabytes of RAM in the benchmark system at most. And then, like, those cards that don't have enough RAM might get big performance losses. I'm like, yep, correct. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one's building a 32 gigabyte system with a 1063 gigabyte. There might be one guy that's doing that. No, yeah, and he's a fucking idiot, Steve. <laughs> Steve's an asshole. Is there, you know, I think we answered that question. We think it's unlikely. Damn, we're getting loopy and tired. Is there anything else you want to talk about? This is a very long episode. I think justifiably long, though. Uh, no, I don't have anything else. Well, the last thing I'll remind everyone again is, you know, if you can support us, the Patreon, it does help. I think being full as fan-supported as possible makes us as honest as possible. There, that's sure as shit true. <laughs> Being honest as shit, right? Maybe a little too honest. It's like, yeah, maybe Intel's stupid. <laughs> Intel, please, please send me stuff to review. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I guess you need to make dinner. Yeah, I do need to make dinner. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, all right. Hashtag me too. Uh, <laughs> let's. <laughs> Why is... Good note to end on. <laughs> Good note to end on. Always. Hitting everything like a sniper. I almost <laughs> okay. made that way worse. I won't. We're, all right. But, before I get us banned from some podcasting site here. All right. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast, is predominantly brought to you by me, Tom of Moore's Law is Dead. You can find all of my content, including videos, articles, and this podcast at www.moreslawsdead.com. And of course, it is also often co-hosted by my brother, Dan. And it is edited by my sound engineer, Gerard Cortez. You can find his contact information at www.moreslawsdead.com. You can also find the contact information of my article editor, Carbon Cry. Now, of course, if you want to keep the show running, I really do hope you rate me on your podcasting platform of choice, share it with your friends, and if you have the money, but only if you do, consider supporting me on Patreon at Moore's Laws Dead. If you do, you get access to the Discord to talk to other enlightening people who work not just at AMD, not just at NVIDIA, but often in the server space and other computing areas that people often overlook. And of course... If you support it, you can get access to reading these people's names that keep the show running. But without further ado, let me give thanks to my greatest supporters. On November 5th, 2019, the following supporters are at the net burst 10 gigahertz or higher supporter level. Bootman, Hunter Drake, Dean, Ruckus, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, Tomas Barrage, Jesse Blanton, Jordan Betcher, Muhammad al Kawari, Matthew Brubacher, Prime Tech TV. Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Herod, Carl Marco, Otter Wysek, Thyrister, The Ninth Dude, Greg Renegar, Kulin Lau, Daniel Cash, Night Rogue 77, Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo Kankilo, Bollocks, Derek Evans, Matthew McMullen, Christoph Novak, Neil X01, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Sexy, Scott Show, Frederick Lau, Alexander Delar, Alethros, Telos, Kaiden, Greg T. Wanchuk, Jacob Barber, Exoti, Whiny Care Bear, Matthew Lane, Paul Jones, Jan Rohner, 
Rubber Ducks, Nick Neasy, Allie Robertson, Gordon Lamb. Thank you, everybody, and thank you to Sahara for the excellent music. <laughs>